on today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. So if you set a boundary with, uh, say, this person and they react negatively to it, like if you set a boundary with someone who is reasonable, they will expect ex, um, accept that. They will fully accept that because they respect you. This person doesn't respect you, so they are not going to ex- accept the boundary. So they're going to make your life difficult. That prevents a lot of people from continually setting consistently and diligently the boundary and reinforcing it because of this negative reaction. Or you may get told, you're this for doing that, you're that for doing that. So there's a lot of guilt and shame around setting boundaries and this person is accusing you of this, that and the other and you back down. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. The Tribe Vibe is a twist on Ladies' Night, focusing on self-care for Black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Tonight is going to be a very great episode. What we're talking about is co-parenting with a toxic ex, also known as a high-conflict ex. But before we get into it, I'm going to play this audio. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams, get your cream by any means, and being with self-esteem, beauty supreme, and booty walk so mean, the way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens, dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka, redesign your spot and redefine your mantra, retwist your locks and realign your chakras, doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh, brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip, adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis, celestial body, drink your water, meditate, sun-kissed goddess, heavenly order, Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. This is a podcast about mental health and wellness and really about getting our shift together. Okay, that was a shift with an F in it. All right, tonight, once again, we are talking about co-parenting with a high-conflict ex. When I say this topic was extremely triggering, but in a good way, because it made me think and it promoted healing. I had to reach out to this beautiful sister. She definitely is a show favorite. I'm going to bring the beautiful, the beautiful Sarah out of the waiting room. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my beautiful person in Australia. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me again as well. <laughs> yes, this is our third stream. Second or third? I lose track. I can't remember. Our, yeah, I know we definitely did two. 
So we're going to say today is our third yes, stream. Yes. How about that? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, uh, busy, busy, but, you know, it's, um, I like being busy, I like having my fingers in every pie kind of thing. So lots of right. projects. Mm. Can you, your audio sounds a little far away again? Uh, oh, is that better? You, yeah, I think it is. Say, okay. say black okay. girls getting their shift together as an audio test. Black girls getting their shift together. <laughs> shift. Shift. We got to get our shit together too now. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it sounds a little far. I don't know if you put it up yeah. or higher. Um, but if not, we'll make it work. Is that better? Yes. Okay, maybe it's just the volume. Okay. Perhaps. So let's get right into it. So um, first of all, can you tell everybody where you are streaming in from? Yes, I'm in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and it's like just uh, six minutes past 10 in the morning on Thursday. So like a day ahead of you guys, Um, because it's Wednesday night there. Yeah, so you're a day ahead of us. Yeah, or like 17 hours, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever been yeah. to the U.S.? I have. Yeah, my dad lives in Seattle. So um, really? I visit often. Yeah. I haven't been for a few years. I was there in 2019, just before, yeah. you know, all hell broke loose. But yeah. I, don't, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I wish I lived over there. <laughs> I would live on the other side of the country, but... Wow, that's I have plans. I have future plans to visit and like visit people who I've worked with before and get together. That's a whole other later on thing, but yes, let's get into it. So, how I came across this topic. So, I'm gonna drop Sarah's uh Instagram. But I follow Sarah on Instagram, and her, her platform is about narc proof and thriving. And she dropped a link about co-parenting with the toxic ex. So if you, she said, if you want this the link, just DM me. So you know, I don't have a toxic ex. Well, actually, I do, but not a current one. But I still, I'm all about learning and why not. And mm-hmm. when I listened to that video... My jaw dropped open. It literally affected me in a good way, but I was triggered because I grew up in that that household of the toxicity yeah. and my extremely high conflict. So I said, Sarah, please come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a big topic that I think, um, I mean, there, yes, there are adult children of these people and then there are, uh, you know, younger children who can grow up to be these adult children who need those tools. And that's, you know, as uh, the safe parent, you need the tools and you need to support your children because they're going to have to deal with deal with that parent for however many years. So what made you want to focus in on the NARC proof? And don't go into too much detail because I asked you just before. So everybody, you're going to have to go back. <laughs> to the prior episodes that Sarah and I have done, but we'll just give you a little, <laughs> a little snippet of why she is, this is her platform of Narc Proof and Thriving. Yeah, so Narc Proof and Thriving, I mean, it's all in the, the name. You are getting to a place after experiencing narc abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, financial, emotional, whatever you want to call it, all kinds of hidden abuse, not necessarily um can include physical, but it's all kinds of non-physical abuse. Uh, getting from the realization, reconciling what you experience, and then moving through that. Obviously, when you share children with somebody who is high conflict, toxic, narcissistic, abusive, just plain difficult, there are additional challenges, not just your own healing. You need to be a parent and you need to try and, you know, quote unquote, co-parent with somebody of this nature. And it isn't easy. Um, it's got a unique set of challenges. Um, a lot of repercussions and a lot of things you need to do but there's also a lot of things you need to stop doing as well to kind of get through it alive and because I've worked on that myself and I work with my clients to get to that place that's what I help women do predominantly women some men but predominantly women 
because it's not just as easy as reading a few books, scrolling Instagram, watching some YouTube videos. You actually have to apply what you learn. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get out um, alive uh, for, what, 18 years, 15 years, however long it is. Um, yeah, so there are certain things you got to do, certain things you got to not do or stop doing as well. Mm. So let's mm. talk about some of the things that we can do. But before we do that, can you explain what what you would consider as a high conflict ex or a high toxic ex? Because I feel that sometimes that, because I've been that person, that <laughs> I would make excuses for their behavior. So then if yeah. I make excuses, it would not be considered toxicity. It would not be considered high conflict. But in reality, from the outside looking in, it is all of that. Yes. Can you put um, your microphone yeah. up a little closer? Uh, yeah, is that better? Is that better? Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I'll try and project my voice. I am quietly spoken as well. But basically, I think I'll start with what is uh, co-parenting. So co-parenting, traditional co-parenting, is where you have two emotionally healthy adults who are both they both have the same goal for looking out for the children's best interest. So they work together and make decisions together that align for the mental health, the physical health of the children. Okay. So if you have a, an emotionally healthy co-parent, you wouldn't even find my page. Nobody would find my page because I don't know anything about co-parenting with somebody who is emotionally healthy. That's kind of la la land. I know it does exist. I have heard of that. It does exist. But when you're dealing with somebody who is high conflict, narcissistic, abusive, toxic, or just difficult, there are challenges that come that you're faced with when you share children. So they're not on the same page. They counter everything that you request. They're very difficult to negotiate with. There is no set or stable parenting plan in place, or they will resist. Um, coming to some kind of an agreement they will throw you under the bus when it comes to third parties like your children's teachers or their um, health professionals they will blame you for everything that is wrong they will make you responsible for what they are responsible for and they will guilt and shame you it's basically if it was abusive toxic narcissistic within the marriage or relationship that continues you're just no longer living in the same home so it's the post-separation abuse that continues in just takes a different form. Wow. That, yeah, it is the same thing. You're right. You just physically probably are not in the same home the 24 hours in the day, but the abuse is incessant. Still there. And that can keep you stuck or you can feel stuck because it's like, well, I've left this person. Should things be better now? Yes, the children still have to go there. And yes, we still share children, but things should be better. Things should work themselves out. I'm no longer in this sphere with them. But no, that's not the case. And um, a big mistake a lot of women make is assuming that over time, this is just going to work out. They'll just get bored. They'll just be better. They'll do their work, whatever it may be. But They'll meet someone new. Yeah, even if they meet someone new, they are not going to give up on trying to basically make your life difficult. So that's why you need to protect yourself so that you can protect your children. And kind of I talk about a knock proof home, which is your dome. You and your children are in here. What this person is saying and doing, the, the stones that they're trying to throw, they don't penetrate you because you have the tools in your armory. You have your firm and consistent boundaries in place. You limit the abuse through having this safe distance buffer so that whatever they try, they're going to keep trying. You know, they're not going to crawl under a rock just because you set a boundary, but you get stronger from your core when you do the work and apply what you learn from what I teach. Mm. Otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels and you might think, you know, everything's okay because you get a period of uh, quiet. They always come back because they always find something to complain or whinge about or abuse you about, or be really sneaky, especially if you go through the family um, law system as well. So when I hear you talking, I hear a lot of smear campaigns. Um, 
it, it seems like it, if the that parent, the high conflict parent, if they cannot get to you, that they will get to you via other people through the spear campaign. Yes, uh, through the spear campaign, but it didn't start when you left. It started months or years before the breakdown of the relationship, maybe throughout the whole relationship. Mm. And, it, and it's just reinforced, or they'll use it to reinforce their narrative when the you know when you're divorced or when you leave or whatever like that uh, to say that she's this, she's that. You know, I'm just saying she because usually you know I work with women. They say that she's this, she's that, look what she did to the family. And then you feel guilt and shame because culturally and society, you know, society says, you know, got to make things work, got to get on the same page. That's like the biggest challenge is you assume you can co-parent. That's why whenever I say co-parent, I'm always like in speech marks because it's not possible with somebody of that nature. It's, it's more like parallel parenting, not co-parenting. I've heard you say that uh, the parallel parenting that is, I like that term. Yeah, you, yeah. No, you you parent in parallel. They they do their parenting, whatever you want to call it, over at their home. You cannot control what happens there, but you have full control and responsibility for what happens within your home. So you cannot control what happens there. That's why I always say when I, you know, with the people I work with, you have to parent a thousand times harder because you have to undo what happens over there and redo. There's always undoing and redoing and obviously supporting your children through the transitions because whatever's happening over there is undoing all of your work or they're being thrown gifts and toys, the other parents being the Disneyland parent, then you've got to deal with the fallout or you know wow. the children. Children have to be little robots over there. They're not allowed autonomy. So when they come home, they blow up or internalize. And you have to deal with that. You need the tools to manage that. You can't deal with that unless you have dealt with that for yourself and you can regulate yourself and you have your tools in place to then teach your children because our parents are our first teachers. Your mom and your dad are your first teachers, whether you want that to be the case or not. They are listening and watching and they know a lot more than what we give them credit for. So that's why it's so important for the safe and emotionally healthy parent who's listening to this to do the work do it now so your kids don't suffer later on and have to be in years and years of therapy right can you um it's starting to fade again the audio i like how i hold it yeah i'll hold it oh you will okay so while you do that hey kendra kendra we have a caller she said for this very reason i made the decision decision that we would only cope oh co-parent in my home i wonder how that looks yeah how does that work so this person is in your space put it higher what uh so the other co-parent is coming to your home to visit i wonder yeah uh, kendra can you oh she said this is so on point for her life Mm. kendra isn't sarah wonderful but uh, Kendra, can you divulge a little more on what you mean about the co-parenting in your home? So while we wait on her. I think uh, she said yes. Yes. It's in my home. See, that's, if that works for you, that is fine. I, you know, for me personally, that vibe, that energy, I don't want it infiltrating my space. But I see that maybe that gives you more control if it is within your home, but you probably need to sage that place or do whatever you need to do after every visit. Because I I, I personally couldn't deal with that. But if that works for you, it looks different for everyone. If that works for you, that's absolutely fine. Um, but that also gives them some element of a look in to see what you're doing. And I assume that you're supervising that. So it takes up your time and energy as well. She said that he... Oh, you leave. Okay. Yeah. visitation days in my home i usually leave when he is here yeah okay okay if that if that works that's fine this whatever works and gives you peace and gives you that bit of freedom um so creating that not proof home if you're not there with that person that's fine for the children that's probably more stability i can see that as an upside but um 
yeah, just hope they're not snooping around looking in your stuff. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> thinking. Yeah. Um, mm. That's what I was thinking as well. But you're right. If it works for her, because it does look different for everyone, which yeah. is, yeah, it's not uh, linear. No. And also, although their behaviors are very similar, these high conflict individuals, they are individual people with different uh, sides of their personality. Yes, the underlying behavior is abusive, toxic, narcissistic, whatever it may be, but they are also different people. So maybe this person uh, isn't so aggressive with their smear campaign, isn't so antagonistic, is more passive. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Mm. Your room's locked. Yeah, good. Right. <laughs> So what are some of the high risk of the negative co-parenting on the kids? I loved in the video how you talked about the scapegoat and the golden child. And when you were on that video, I, I literally, I saw my life. Yeah. And I'm at my <laughs> age right now and it affected me. Okay. Kendra said, very smart. She locks her room. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, and, you know, with all of this, do whatever works. We have to do whatever works, whatever gives us peace, whatever gives us that peace of mind, and also focus on what's going to energize us and also protect the children. Right. But, um, yeah, in terms of, I mean, a lot of people said that the adult children of, um, you know, having a narcissistic parent, high conflict, abusive, toxic, whatever you want to call them, they do identify usually as the scapegoat child because the parent who is is high conflict, they have a parenting style. I mean, I call it style in air quotes. It's the negative influence that they have over their children because you either come out to be the scapegoat child if you do not comply because this other parent wants you to take on their worldview. They want to kind of mold you as a person. You are their possession or their puppet. You're there to entertain them. You're there to make them look good to the outside world, especially if they're covert. Do you think they want to mold their child after them or mold them into something that they wish that they could have been? <laughs> I think after them, because I don't think they have the um, inner capacity to reflect in that way. Mm-hmm. So it's just because it's my way or the highway and there's no questions asked. So my. if you resist, you become the scapegoat child. If you want to be your own person, if you keep pushing back, if you uh, don't comply, if you don't seek approval or struggle to find um, that you're doing the right thing in terms of what they request, you will become the scapegoat child. And then the one who complies, the one who gets this like parent's approval, who makes this parent look good, is then uh, into the golden child role, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, you may think or, you know, people may think that the golden child is the, the better of the two evils, but they actually both come with a, their own sets of um, negative uh, impacts and negative outcomes. With the golden roles. child? Well, they're going to turn out with narc fleas. Oh. Unless, unless they comply uh, because they are scared, if they're complying because they're scared and they just do it in the moment, in those moments, but they don't actually take on those traits of that other parent, then when they're at an age when they can talk for themselves or speak for themselves or limit contact, then they can become more emotionally healthy. But if they fully go under their wing and become like a mini-me, it's, um, you know. Wow. Wow. Oh, That's what tends to happen. I agree. I've had that situation at work. And you see that, ooh, even the toxic cycle that goes on because I had parts of me that was a scapegoat growing up because I did Mm. not comply to uh, my father's demands. And Mm. then I saw how it rolled over as an adult into my work situations where I too had become a scapegoat, but I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I, I didn't know the term at yeah. all. To like that just is always, uh, you know, maybe not liking being told what to do, 
but not acting out, maybe becoming a people pleaser as well, not really knowing who you are as a person. Maybe getting into toxic and unhealthy relationships yourself and continuing the cycle. That's what happens or can happen with the scapegoat child. That's exactly. Oh, I feel so seen. <laughs> yeah, it's um yes! you know, all these people are different, but the outcomes are, are always the same. Oh my know? god. So let's talk about parental alienation, what it is, and then we can get into what the solution could be for it. That stuck out to me as well. Well, it's the the high conflict parent will try and alienate uh, you from the children. So we'll try and drive a wedge between you and your children to try and, uh, I guess, skew their perception of who you are, tell them lies, um, divide you and your children so that they come home asking questions or accusing you of things. That's where the high conflict co-parent um, uses alienation to try and drive a wedge and break the bond that you have with your children. Okay. A lot of, you know, I'm just going to talk in general terms, a lot of men and sometimes abusers use that as an excuse against the healthy parent that uh, you're trying to stop me from seeing my children, you know, because it's like a common term that people uh, recognize. They'll default to that and say, you're trying to alienate when you're actually trying to protect your children and protect yourself but they'll use that as a defense when in fact they're projecting they're the ones who are trying to do that mm. they're, they're the ones trying to destroy the connection and destroy the bond by telling the children lies or telling the children outright that they hate you you know that's happened as well that happens or that your mum lies this that and the other or that she did this she did that and of course the children uh, are internalizing this if you have a close relationship with them they'll come and ask you if you don't, or they don't feel comfortable, they're going to keep that in their mind. And unless you say something, they're just going to believe that or be confused. Wow. Wow. Do you find with some of your clients who have older children that the children figure it out in their own children, childlike terms and their mentality that, you know what, dad or mom, they were lying or I don't believe it or do they all, do they come around or do they stay stuck in that mold to please? It, it, yeah. It depends on a lot of things. It depends on how they are. It depends on how long since the relationship has been over and you've been in separate homes and it depends on, you know, how well they can articulate their feelings and emotions. If they're like 15, 16 and you left two years ago, you, they've been in the home with two people. You may not have realized who you, and what you were dealing with to be able to put these tools and strategies in place to mitigate the negative parenting. You've been protecting them as much as you can, knowing something that wasn't right. But if it's taken that many years and you're fresh out, I mean, I say two years is kind of like still fresh out, you're still finding your feet, then they've had a lot of exposure to this other parent. If they're 15, 16, but you left when the kids were like three or four, and you have the awareness and for all those years you've been protecting them, doing your work, giving them the tools necessary to deal with a parent of this nature so that they're able to set their own boundaries, they're able to think critically for themselves, mm. then they are better equipped. So it's not like all is lost. It's not like all is lost because you, you left two years ago and the kids are 15 and 16. It's just that, you know, it's the best time to start is now with what you know. But with... Uh, you know, your own work is understanding and appreciating that children have their own version of healing to do as well. And it's going to look slightly different to yours, but they still need to be supported and as, as you're doing your own. So it's a lot going on. Absolutely. Uh, Kendra, if you're still on, can you put a one in the comment section? If you can hear Sarah, fine. Uh, I can't. It sounds a little distant, but I can't hear you. Mm. I just want to make sure that other people can hear as well. So speaking of Kendra, oh, she said, Kendra said that she left her relationship five years ago and her kids mm. are now 11 and 15. And yes, yeah. she can hear you very clear. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> so speaking of Kendra, let's go back to what she said about how she keeps her room locked. 
to me, that's a physical boundary, literally a physical boundary. So let's talk about boundaries within the relationship and how that looks with the child or excuse me, with the high conflict ex. Okay. So, I mean, we all know what boundaries are. We hear about it everywhere. You read about it, you see, you see videos talking about how to set boundaries, how important they are. Um, I would say nine times out of 10, the women that I work with, they have the uh, awareness of what boundaries are. They think that they are setting boundaries. But then when I ask a certain question, it's like, oh, but then this happens. So to me, that tells me that you have the awareness, but you're not applying what you, um, I guess, should be doing in order Mm. to enforce that boundary, not just once, every single time because this other parent wants to push your boundaries. They don't respect your boundaries. They don't respect you. So to me, when you are successful with setting boundaries is you set them. I mean, I call it cast iron boundaries. That's one of my modules within my course, cast iron boundaries. Cast iron means they cannot be penetrated. They may be disrespected, but that's fine. You still hold your boundaries every single time. A lot of um, women fall into the trap of, oh, he's been good lately. He's been really forthcoming, really communicative. Drop the get, drop their guard, zero boundaries, and they get pummeled. And then the cycle starts again, and they're left confused. My boundaries don't work. No, it's not that they didn't work. It's that you, you didn't enforce them, and you didn't keep them. They weren't cast iron. Right. And that's it why it's like, so important. Right. It, it seems that... Um, mm that the boundaries are very uh, porous and they're not, like you said, the cast iron. And I like that term and I'm going to start using that, the cast iron. I know for me, what has helped me with one parent, I have had cast iron boundaries Mm. because the cycle of um, narcissistic abuse, the emotional verbal abuse, it was consistent but then I was inconsistent because I would let my guard down. And, yeah. Well, you know, and you know what would keep me on would be the hope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This time it will be better. He's acting. Yeah. Right. And then that spilled over into my adult romantic relationships. Yes. Having allowances and then the bar gets lower and lower and lower. And this is a trap that, you know, a lot of us fall into until you learn what you need to to set those boundaries regardless of, that's what I said in one of my reels actually, whether they're good, whether they're bad, you are just like that. You don't change. Your behavior is independent of whether they're being good or bad. You Mm. need to set the boundary regardless and enforce it and keep it. Now it's hard for people because, and hard for women, we, we want to be nice, we want to be kind, we want to reward good behavior. That's what somebody said in the reels. In the real comment, um, I thought I was rewarding good behavior. No, you're being manipulated and they know what you're going to do. Your guard's going to go down and they're going to, excuse my French, fuck you over. Excuse my French. but Yes. There's no nice way to say it. There isn't. Then you end up up like low, pummeled, picking yourself up. Oh, my boundaries don't work. Every time I set a boundary, this and this and this happens. Yeah. Because they know, it's like dog training. They know if I do this, you're going to do this. And you're like rewarding that behavior, you're playing their game. Don't play the game, play your own game. Right. And you know what? I love what you said in the video. Ooh, this really made my hair stand up when you talked about having the um the the difference between blame and what was Response, it? And responsibility. And responsibility. Yes. Yeah. So we could blame that high conflict X for the manipulation and the verbal emotional abuse and but they still will have that control because we give it to them so we can blame them for the 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 abuse that happened but it's our responsibility to heal ourselves and, and do something about it because they are to blame but don't stay in the blame you stay in the blame nothing's going to happen you're just going to stay stuck you exactly. have to do something about it and you have the responsibility. You have the control to do something. It just takes doing something different. Um, I think a lot of people assume that 
you know, there's nothing I can do. They, they do this to me and that's it. That's my life. No, that is not how it is. You have the control, but you have to then step into, I'm going to be responsible for fixing this on my side, not, not that person. They can do what they like. That's key on my yes. side. Yeah, I love yeah. that you said that because it still will ultimately give them that control and power. And that's yeah. that fuel that they feed off of. Uh, yeah. May I read a comment? Mm. Kendra said, my ex has no respect for boundaries, for her boundaries. That's what makes our relationship so hard. Even enforcing them does not work. And the only thing that works for me is to not have the expectation. Yeah, not have expectations. I mean, if we have expectations that and that these people are going to do what is required or be on board or be on the same page, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. So you need to see yourself as an island. You're over here. They're over there. They do their own thing. You do your own thing. I mean, if you do my boundaries course, Cast Iron Boundaries, that is when the boundaries work. But a great indication that your boundary is working is when you get a negative reaction. But it's that negative reaction that prevents people from continually and consistently setting the boundary and reinforcing it. Can you explain they, the negative reaction? What was it you said? The negative? Yeah. So if you set a boundary with, uh, say, this person and they react negatively to it, like if you set a boundary with someone who is reasonable, they will expect ex, um, accept that. They will fully accept that because they respect you. This person doesn't respect you, so they are not going to ex accept the boundary. So they're going to make your life difficult. That prevents a lot of people from continually setting consistently and diligently the boundary and reinforcing it because of this negative reaction. Or you may get told you're this for doing that, you're that for doing that. So there's a lot of guilt and shame around setting boundaries. And this person is accusing you of this, that, and the other, and you back down. Mm. Thinking right. that that's the answer. It's not the answer. So they back down, lowering their guard, which lets the manipulation enter. Yeah, and it continues. And then you're just in this cycle and usually... You know, you'll know whether it's a few weeks cycle or a few months, you might get a bit of peace for a few months. Then, you know, something's gearing up and something will happen. You'll you get used to the patterns. But as you do this work and you have the tools in your tool belt, then you can apply what you learn and prepare for this so that it doesn't pummel you. You don't go back down to zero. You don't have the anxiety. Yeah. You bring your anxiety way down so that you have the capacity. You know, they're not proof home. They're on the outside. This safe distance buffer gets wider and wider and as much as they try they just can't reach you they can't penetrate you because they're doing this uh, pull that out I'm going to do that they do this one pull that out I'm going to do that so you shut the doors and the opportunities they have to do what they want to do manipulate gaslight abuse whatever it may be you shut off their opportunities they're not going to crawl under a rock and not come back they'll just try something else in a few weeks or months but at least you as you apply these things, you gain more confidence within yourself that this works and that this is how I'm going to get my peace and my joy back and protect myself and my children. Wow. If anything that Sarah is saying resonates, please put a light bulb emoji or a number one in the chat. Let me know. Because a matter of fact, put, put a number one in the chat for me while I'm speaking to it. <laughs> In your in that uh, video that you had, I love what you said. It's about, unfortunately, playing the checkers, excuse me, the chess game, because you always will anticipate what their next move is. And I think yeah. going back to, thank you, Ashley. I think going back to what um, Kendra said about enforcing or, or not having any expectations, I'm thinking, have the expect expectation that they're going to do something to <laughs> opposite of what you want. Yeah, gonna fuck you, they're going to fuck you over. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just when it's a shift. It's a shift. Like you want to give a benefit of the doubt, but don't. I, I, and for my piece, and this is what I teach my clients, is use the past to. Um, tell you how the future is going to go. So basically that means until you prove for 
the number of years that you have been this abusive person and until you prove that the exact number of years that you're not, I will assume that you are. Ooh. Ooh. That's the only way to protect yourself and protect your energy. So until you've you know, proved for X amount of years that you are not the person who you've proved yourself to be, I will assume that you are who I know you to be, no matter what you say or do. Mm. I, trust, I trust myself. I trust my experience. So I will treat you in that way that protects me and my energy and my children. Sounds like ironclad boundaries. Cast iron. And like, Cast I, iron. I could talk about this like for hours and days, but even me, I still have to check myself, not necessarily with the high conflict co-parent, but just boundaries in general, because they help with other relationships as well and interactions. You just have to check in with yourself. Like someone is going to not like the boundary that you set and the outcome of it, it better not be you. That's basically how it needs to be. I'm not going to hurt myself and continue to hurt myself for someone else's pleasure. Ooh. That's the, what keeps you going. Whatever works for you, but that's for me. I'm not going to keep cutting myself to please others. So my decision is very clear. I need to do that. I need to set that boundary. And boundaries aren't always verbal. They're not always physical. It's just what maybe you decide not to do or to stop doing as well. Right, right. Uh, Kendra said, I had to realize that expecting to do just the opposite of what he agreed to do. Yeah. Then you have no expectation. Exactly. That's who he is. So um, let's talk about communication. Uh, Before I go on, because we're having more people jumping in. I definitely would love to continue this conversation with the listeners. So if you're listening now, please make sure and join the private Facebook group so that we can take this conversation beyond the podcast. It is a safe space. It's private. It's a private group. So the conversation will be just amongst us. So whether you do it now or after, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like, share, Thank you for commenting. I appreciate all of it. And Sarah appreciates it all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Make sure and join join the private Facebook group. So let's get into the communication versus abusive interactions. And I love that ratio that you talked about. That green and red box. That was something else. So Yes, communication is probably my favorite topic because that's where a lot of the anxiety stems from. When you receive something from them, you see their name on, uh, you know, pop up on your phone. It can You can have the tightness in your chest and the butterflies and they're like, oh, what is it now? Because you know, it's not going to be nice and it's not going to be good and it's not going to be positive. It's going to ruin your day and you know that you're going to have some kind of argument on your hands. So a lot of women stop looking at their messages or limit the time that they spend in their emails Uh, because of this but this person is still controlling you if that happens so you need to get to a place where you realize not every communication I'm just talking about like email communication requires a response not every face-to-face communication requires you to engage okay face-to-face is a bit harder you know I teach my clients to have an out have a few outs ready to get out of sticky situations when they're trying to antagonize you or drag you into some kind of drama, or even just talk to you. You don't necessarily have to talk to that person. You're not obligated to. You drop your kid off, you pick them up. What do you say to to people? So I'm just going to say mothers to the the kids, because that's just easy right now. (laughs) Yes. What would you say to moms who say, well, he's the father of my children. No matter what we go through, he's still the father to my children. Yeah, that's a fact. But what meaning are you attaching to that? Are you saying he's still the father so he should abuse you? Are you saying he's still the father so he gets the right to treat his children like crap? Are you saying he's still the father so... I mean, what what is the meaning that you're attaching to that? Biologically, yes, he is the father. But as far as I'm concerned, something that's really going to serve women who think in that way is like you don't want to stop your children from having a relationship with that person. And you, I don't think you should. I mean, it depends on the situation within mm-hmm. the confines of the law. 
you know, the children should be allowed to have a relationship with both parents, as they say. That parent does not have the right to have a relationship with that child. If the child has the responsibility and uh, the right to have a relationship with the parent, it doesn't go both ways. Although these high conflict parents think it's their right and they feel entitled to having a relationship with their children. But it's not that, it's the children have a right to both parents. So that's a slight difference there. When you can see your high conflict co-parent who is abusive, toxic, whatever to you, that doesn't make them a good parent. Even if they're providing for their children, take them here, there and everywhere, throw money at them, give them everything they want. Yes, on the outside, yes, superficially, that's usually what coverts do. But they yeah. are not looking after their emotional stability. They are not cultivating any kind of um, emotional intelligence within their children. It's for appearances only. So anyone who is abusing you and continuing, continually abusing you, even if they're great, great to the kids, that is not a good parent, in my opinion. I totally agree. You let me tell you, I just had this conversation. I just had this conversation a few days ago with someone. I'm not going to mention the show, but there's this reality show. And the father on the show, he is a total Instagram father, in my opinion. And he has five kids. And the person I was talking to, and he's cheated on the wife. And the reason why he has five kids, because his last child he had while he was married to his wife. Hmm. I don't know if you know the show I'm talking about. No. Yeah. Probably not, but I, I, I've heard that story like, yeah, lots of Exactly. I'm yeah, sure it's nothing yeah. new. And so when I was talking to this person, they said, but he's a good dad to his to his kids. He's just not a good husband. No. I was like, he's a piece of shit because the kids see that. The kids can see how the interaction between the parents and what you said about it looks good on the outside and it looks good for the gram, but meanwhile, he's still obliterating the children's emotional well-being. Yep. yep. And like I said before, we are their first teachers. So you are teaching your children. I mean, it's kind of staying in a place of denial. That's like really being in denial and mm. not accepting what is. Uh, I mean, I never sugarcoat things. I'm, I'm always loving with my delivery, but I'm not going to sugarcoat things. That's living in denial and not seeing things for what they are. And your children are learning how to be as a woman, as a wife, and how to be as a man and a husband. They are learning that dynamic. And that's how you per perpetuate generational trauma. And your kids are just going to go off and have exactly the same relationship as you. So is it going to end with you or not? That's really what you need to think about. Because what are you judging this person being a good father on? how many pictures they put up. Exactly. The newest trainers that they give the kids, the newest whatever. I mean, anyone can be a parent with a credit card to go and throw the kids whatever they want. That is not parenting. Mm. I love that. It is not parenting. It just, it just, it looks good. It looks good, but it's superficial. Extremely kids, superficial. Kids aren't going to remember that when they're 18 and looking back like, oh, I, I got bought all these things. They're going to be remembering how they weren't allowed to be who they were, how they don't know who they are and they have no identity, how they keep having crappy relationships, how they keep getting hurt, how people keep walking all over them. That's what they're going to remember. And that's what they're going to carry on into their future. Exactly. Unless, unless there is an emotionally healthy and safe and stable parent in the mix. Now, from that dynamic that you're talking about, She's in denial. She's perpetuating the cycle. See what happens when the kids are in therapy. Damn. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. Not that that's, you know. It's I mean, a great therapy, thing, but I love but your delivery. Like, that's keeping it real. For that's, real. That's a fact. That's keeping that's it very because real. I've worked with so many women who have older children who didn't realize what they were going through because it was a different generation as well. And they, And then you don't know. And that, oh, yeah, exactly. And now you're picking up the pieces, years of therapy and working it all out. Thank God for, you know, social media and the Internet. But people who didn't know this before, and especially if you're, you know, maybe in your 60s and you were a wife of somebody like that, it's a different generation. You stay together until the kids are gone. And then you realize, oh, shit. 
you know, it's never too late. But if you have the awareness now and you know now, today is the time to start to do something about it and take responsibility for what you are in control of. Hmm. I have a few more questions, but you let me know how much more time do we have? Because I know you have little ones. Um. Yeah, another like ten minutes. Ten minutes is good. Perfect. <laughs> Speaking of the children, how do we create? Because you know, here at Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together, we talk <laughs> about issues, but we also love to talk about solutions. So, how do? How would a, a parent create? a safe container for the children, a safe uh, NARC-proof container or a a high-conflict-free container home. (laughs) I don't know the best way to do it. You're you're the expert on this. How do you contain it? I'm all about solutions. I mean, yes, there are problems, but I'm all about solutions and basically cutting through the fluff and getting to, okay, action mode. What do I need to do to get here? So top line is you need to visualize, however it works for you, this protective dome. That is you and your children are in there. The high conflict co-parent is on the outside. When you get to a place where whatever they say, whatever they do, it doesn't penetrate that bubble. You and your children can, you can be a parent. You can be the best possible parent for your children. When you have that parent on the outside, You've created this safe distance buffer, which means you have your boundaries in place. You only respond when necessary. You, when you do respond, you know how to respond so that there's no comeback. Um, If you need to document behaviors, you document and file away in the easiest and quickest way possible. You plan and yeah, it's like playing a game of chess. They want to play ping ping pong, throwing these balls at you and you end up spinning your wheels if you stay playing their game. Play your own game, play the game of chess, put your pieces where they need to be. And I also teach my clients, when you've done that, this is what's going to happen next. So you prepare for that as well. So it's not just one step and then that's it. Because I know what's going to come. I know they're going to say or do something, especially if you're in and out of court as well. So it's preparing yourself for that. But it's all about grounding from the inside out, getting the tools in your tool belt and then applying them to your life regulating yourself and doing your work so that you can teach your children to do the same because you know in lieu of this person being hit by a bus they're going to be around for a while so you need to take control of what you can control whoa i love what you said about playing your own game i I feel if we if we play the game together they still have a percentage of control as opposed to playing playing our own game Playing their game means you play by their rules, which means they control you and they control the outcome. Do you want them to control you in the outcome? Or you didn't stay, you know, you didn't leave to still be controlled. So find your motivation for switching up the game. They don't have to be an active participant. You are just operating in this way, independent of what they want to do or say. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this, that I'm a tennis player. And while you're talking, I envision this tennis game where I play with advanced players and they are literally in one spot and they are they are literally controlling the entire game. Whenever they hit it to the right, I'm running to the right. And literally I'm looking like the ping pong and I can feel it because my lungs are exhausted. <laughs> but they they are controlling the entire game. And I see that when we give our power away as opposed to taking it back how that high conflict x is the one that's controlling that tennis game or the the game of of the controlling the kids or whoever that they're at the forefront and so yeah. you know it's always you're playing the game but then you're always on the defense as opposed to taking yeah, over scrambling. you control the game yes like scrambling the game. exhausted you're exhausted and then you get a little bit of a break and then they go and do it again and again and again. So this is what makes people think that there is nothing I can do. They do this, this, and this, and there is nothing I can do. No matter what I do, they always fuck me over or whatever it is. Right. But it's because you're playing their game. Take yourself out of the game. Play by your own rules. 
There's nothing they can do. They can't control your game. They can either agree or not, but we don't care if they agree or not. You are still on track to playing by your own rules. And you slow the game down and you get strategic with how you communicate, with how you protect your energy and with how you protect your children. So that they are on the outside, you've got the safe distance buffer from them, you've got this not proof home, you're, you're on your journey to being the best possible parent you can be because you have more space and capacity because you're keeping them at a distance and your children are emotionally or become more emotionally calm and stable because you are providing them with the tools you should have had to not end up in this situation. Mm. You have that advantage to teach your children. Yes, mm. it takes work. It takes determination. But the alternative is what you're going to do. Wait to see what happens and let them rule the game and your children, you know, suffer in the process. Wow. That's it's not, it's good not, stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just not an option. It needs to not be an option to continue in the way that you are. Absolutely. You want to have peace, you know, and we yeah. wonder why we're so damn tired and literally exhausted. That takes a lot of work, a lot of work playing by someone else's game. Yeah. Um, can you tell people how they can reach you? I dropped the link in the description of where yeah. people can reach you on Instagram, but I'll let you tell people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. That's kind of where I, I do most of my posting, most of my content and resources. So that's at NARC Proof and Thriving. So you can put NARC Proof and Thriving or NARC underscore proof underscore and underscore thriving. Um, also, my website is just www.notproofandthriving.com. Um, I have a free checklist resource for dealing with third parties, because as we know, nobody knows what this is, the struggles that you're dealing with. So if you have like legal professionals or a therapist or your children's doctor or teacher and your high conflict text is trying to sabotage those situations, then you need to know how to explain your situation without using the N-word, and I always say the other N-word, not that N-word, you know, because we don't throw around terms, but you need to get to a place where you are clear and concise because then they're going to be able to help you. So that's um, that's also on my, web, my website. It's a free checklist. Um, and also there's a comprehensive video training and PDF guide on what to say, what not to say, and also how to say it. That's I love it. As well. yeah. I just dropped... Hey, Maquita, she says... Dang, I finally stopped driving to send love and light. Oh, <laughs> oh that's wonderful. So, Laquita, just letting you know, you're sending love and light all the way to Australia because that's where my guest yeah. is streaming in from. <laughs> so that love and light is definitely going global for sure. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah, I just dropped your link tree in the chat. Yes, so thank people- you. And as a side note, on a personal level, if you do not have a high conflict ex, but you grew up or now realizing you grew up in a high conflict home, I advise you, it would help if you just listen to that video. It's only about 16 minutes long, but it gave me so many answers. I, <laughs> Sarah, you remember when I was in your, inst- in your, in your, uh, <laughs> <deal? Yes. laughs> Yeah, like uh, it's those little nuggets and those little like connections. It's like, oh, that's why. And it's nice to have those answers because then you can understand yourself better and move forward in your healing as well. Yes, and it's unburdening all of that toxicity that we took on their personal, uh, their toxic shame. And one thing that stood out to me when you talk about the cycle of abuse that comes but the more that we have the cast iron boundaries around us, that 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 uh, high conflict ex or parent or person, they tend to stay away. And what you said, it made so much sense. You said you tend to know what your cycles are or what your ex's cycles are. It's like every couple months or whatever you yeah. said. And yeah. I started thinking that makes so much sense because the more I was being very firm. I have a brick wall. So with my, my mom, mm-hmm. I have a gate. Yeah. Yeah. My father, I have a brick wall and it cannot mm-hmm. be penetrated. 
no matter what. And I vowed myself to that. And so each brick that I put, like these bricks, oh my God, like the bricks behind <laughs> <Yes>. me. <laughs> yes. Nothing like the bricks through. behind me on my wall. He starts leaving me alone. He doesn't come yeah. around as much. And now it's been a few years. Yeah. You and get some peace and like energy back, emotional energy to focus on life and living your life. Why? Right. We're not put on this earth to, to just be in constant conflict and anxiety. And it's, it, I've, I've now am experiencing peace. And I want to keep it like that. And if I yeah. not, I have now. I now have tools on what to do. Um, That's it. Laquita said, "Yes, this link tree is on and popping. I signed up for <laughs> SMS notifications from Australia. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's um. I, I have a lot of resources. I have a lot of information." I don't put all of it, obviously Instagram is like 0.01% of what I teach because I can't put everything there. Um, it's within my programs because I also don't want narcs catching on. I don't want them knowing what my clients are learning because then they can get savvy. That's so smart. That's genius. They do, stalk. they do stalk. I get Sometimes I get women in my DM saying, oh, um, can I work with you or this, this, this. I can't comment publicly because... He also follows you. I always ask, what is their handle? And I block them. It doesn't stop them from creating new accounts if they want to, but I don't want them knowing anything. That is G. <laughs> yeah. Gotta protect, gotta protect the people. I protect my energy. I don't want anyone coming in, even on my page digitally. I don't want anyone coming. And anyone who is that way inclined gets blocked anyway. They start you are saying shit. You are for the people, sis. Yes. <laughs> gotta protect, gotta protect people, gotta protect the energy, gotta protect the space. You are amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Any parting words, Sarah, so you can get to your babies? Um, parting words is if you are even listening to this, you have a less than healthy co-parenting relationship. So if it's difficult high conflict, toxic, abusive, whatever it may be. There are tools, there are strategies. You don't have to struggle. I had one client who thought, this is it. She'd been doing it for seven years and thought, this is it. We worked together one-on-one. -on -one. She brought her anxiety from a nine to a two Ooh. in terms of dealing with this high conflict co-parent. So if that can happen in three months for one person, anything can happen and anything is possible. And plus, I just want to add, I never teach anything that I don't use myself and I don't teach my clients so I'm not a fluffy person it's just real practical um things you can implement and apply that work that's right it. so come find me and on you, Instagram <laughs> exactly and if you want to know more of Sarah's story you I will put the the link to our past uh, streams that we've done and you can hear more about Sarah's personal story. So she's not just making this up. She's lived <laughs> this. And um, as uh, Laquita says, be blocked and be blessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be blocked and be blessed and good luck to you in your life. Bye. Yeah. Go. <laughs> just go somewhere. But yeah. if anyone, you, if you love what you heard, if there was anything that resonated in your soul and made it vibrate, you can, you love to support the channel. You can always buy me a coffee. I just dropped the link in the description box in the thread. And, um, you know, we want to keep my throat parched as well as supporting the content <laughs> of this amazing channel. So, oh, Sarah, guess what? Mm. Yes. yes. You are a black girl in Australia that has her shift together, ma'am. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Took many years, but yeah, there is no going back. Yes, no I agree. There, you are that's wonderful. what everyone, everyone can get there as well. Just got to do the work, be intentional, but it's possible. Life is too short for conflict. And we'll end, end on that. We'll end yeah. on that. I like that. <laughs>
everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. This was amazing. Sarah always brings it no matter what. Sarah, you know I'm going to slide up in your DMs within 30 <laughs> minutes, and I'll let you know why after. I know you have yes. to go. But if yes. I want everyone to tune in next week because we're going to have a nice, lighthearted talk with Ashley Silva. She was one of the stars on Love and Marriage uh, DC. So make sure and click the notification bell. Make sure and join the private Facebook group so we can continue this awesome, amazing conversation. And Laquita said, thank you, ladies. You're very welcome. You're welcome. Sarah, <laughs> you have a great evening, my love. Yeah, thank you. Girl. Thank you, you too. Thank you for having me. Take care, my love. <laughs> Bye. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spots and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all.